What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Yala. Today, well, there's a lot wow. to talk about during the week. Yeah. We have today is a, another one of our interview podcasts, la. But it is a huge interview. A huge interview. Huge interview. Like wow. A huge when, interview. How nervous are you on a scale of one to ten? How nervous? Very nervous. Uh, I can already feel myself peeing in my pants a little bit. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> But anyway, <laughs> but the best way to start a podcast. Yeah. Yes. Uh, but today's interview is huge, uh, and a big shout out to the our partner for this podcast. It is Samsung, who we have we are honored to work with as part of their uh, their film mobile first film festival, Short and Sharp. Mm-hmm. Um, it is it is like what you heard a mobile first film festival which has kicked off. It is inviting any filmmaker to f- make a one minute short film with a smartphone. And you might win twenty thousand dollars in cash. But more important than that, you yes. you get mentorship from some of the biggest names in the industry. Yeah, and that's one of, that's one of the people we're talking to today. Yeah, and I mean some of the biggest names, and we are we also honored to be part of that list, mm. uh, the list of mentors, the the list of jury members. Um, yes, Ministry of Funny, we are we are going to mentor a certain number of people who make it through the first round. Mm. Uh, we have the link to the Mobile First Film Festival website in the show notes. So please head on over. Submissions are, the applications are open now. You can submit it now. All you need is, is a one minute short film. That's all. Yes. Um, and, and all the details in the show notes. So as part of our partnership with Samsung, uh, we are going to be interviewing our fellow members of the jury. No, um, fellow founder. Fellow founder, founder member, member of, of the, the Short and Sharp Film Festival. Yes. The first Short and Sharp Film Festival in Singapore. Yes. And and who is it, Terence? Who do we have is the, all the way from London? The one and the only Anthony Chen. Anthony Chen. So if um, Anthony Chen, I don't even. I feel I don't even need to introduce him to you guys. But for the sake of just setting the stage, uh, he first rose to fame in 2013 mm. when his feature film Ilo Ilo won the camera camera door. Do, camera door award yeah. at the Cannes Film Festival, Correct. which is awarded to the best new director. And since then, he's been one of the the, the poster boys of Singapore uh, cinema. And we have with him on our podcast, he, his latest movie, Wet Season, came out uh, in 2019. Mm. Um, and right now, he's based in London, working on some epic stuff. So yes, Anthony Chen, welcome to Yala Bhatt. Hi, hello. Hi, Harish. Hey, hi, Terrence. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Harish always... Uh, he does a lot of uh, research for the introductions, uh, but did he miss out anything? Because I can, from that, I really can tell he missed out the very big, the Golden Horse Awards. Oh, the Golden Horse. The Golden Horse Awards that Anthony has won as well. Like, can you tell us a little bit about um, how the film, how Wet Season has done in the last one, two years since it's been released as well? Um, it's 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 been quite an interesting uh, journey with the film, but of course, you know, the film was released just um a few months before the pandemic so mm. um in a way the release is really affected the release has been delayed pushed back festivals cancelled screenings cancelled uh, because of the pandemic but um i'm actually what i'm really really surprised with is like uh, the film has been very well received in uh, the greater china region mm. particularly mm. in mainland china um 
I don't know why. Um, even though a lot of people have seen it um, um, via sort of like pirated links or something like that, but mm. it's it's actually done really well. You know, on on Douban, which is like the Chinese version of IMDb, mm. it was like the top five highest rated Chinese language films of the year. Oh, yeah. damn. Wow. Um, so yeah, I was I was really surprised because you know obviously when you talk about Chinese language cinema, you know, um, you know one would always think of like, you know, mainland China, Taiwan, Hong Kong, right? And mm. it's really literally the only film from like Southeast Asia that made it onto the mm. list. So yeah. so just now, Terence mentioned the Golden Horse uh, Awards that you have won. So so I know uh, Ilo Ilo it won four. 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 And for Wet Season, it won? It was nominated uh, for six uh, six awards. Uh, it won uh, one. It won Best Actress for Yo Yan Yan. Mm, I see. Mm. So that's five Golden Horses. And the Golden Horse uh, Awards is essentially the Oscars of the East. La, right? I think I wouldn't use the word East. I would say it's the Oscars for Chinese language um, cinema. I see. Okay, um, okay. Yeah, and it's 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 been running for over fifty years. I, I think see. what what is exceptionally special, I think with Ilo Ilo, you know, in twenty thirteen, is that, um, you know, even though you know, for me as a filmmaker, like mm. oh, the prize in Cannes, you know, that was literally like winning the Olympics, you know, with your mm. first film because mm. it was really the highest honor. But yeah, I think people really at least in the region or like asia-wide uh people really got to know the film more because of the golden horse i mean mm. my my parents grew up watching the golden horse you know mm. you know watching all this sort of like hong kong and taiwanese and and chinese stars sort of like you know winning like best actor best actress and all of that so it's quite interesting like i i think the film really landed you know almost what i call like um, within that heartland crowd in Singapore because correct, of correct. the Golden Horse. If I wasn't a filmmaker, I'm pretty sure my parents have no idea what's the Cannes Film Festival. <laughs> but they know what's the Golden Horse. <laughs> so, and it was quite, it, it was quite a exceptional year. You know, I, I remember mm. I got one of my good friends, you know, uh, to accompany me to the award ceremony. And, and she was just saying like, um, yeah, you know, like, let's just go and, you know, like, meet people, take pictures, and it's going to be, like, a great party, right? Like, mm. let's not even think of winning anything. Because it was quite an exceptional year as well. I remember that year nominated for Best Film was literally the great of Chinese cinema. You know, mm -hmm. there was um, Grandmaster, directed by Wong Kar Wai. Mm. There was Stray Dogs, directed by Tsai Ming Liang. There was Drug War, directed by Johnny To. And then there was uh, Touch of Sin, directed by Jia Zhang Ke. Literally, like, you know, and then there's, there's this newbie, you know, Anthony Chen from Singapore. Mm. So we, I think we, I went in literally with, to this glitzy and it was the 50th year. So it was really like a, a big occasion for them. Mm -hmm. I, I went in literally with, with, uh, my eyes really open and just really excited. Didn't even prepare a thank you speech or that, anything that like that. That was going to be my question. You didn't prepare? <laughs> no, because you don't expect, I mean, like amongst all this sort of greats. So, yeah, in fact, in fact, um, I still remember that night. Um, yeah, I 
I I I got quite a bit of backlash uh, from the oh, Taiwanese really? media. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, I mean it's not reported in Singapore, but in Taiwan it was. Why? Why? It was because um, I don't know. I think I think maybe I sounded too bland, you know. Even though mm. I you know like speak and write Mandarin, but you know, growing up in Singapore, I think a lot of a lot of times when, you know, whether is that sentence structure or like the way we think in terms of um, language is very much in, is in English. Mm. But so I literally went up and then I think certain things that I said, it, it would have sounded really cool and humble in English, but mm. it just sounded maybe um, slightly not humble enough so so you or, sounded like yeah. a, so you sounded like a young no, so i went up and i went up and said i didn't you know when we won best picture i went out and said you know i had no because the people presenting like best picture you know best mm. film was ang lee and ho xiaoxian and wow. then i went out and then i said you know i was really stumped and then I, I i said you know actually i just wanted i you know i came to the ceremony just wanted to shake ang lee's hand you know and and I didn't expect it, this prize, but then you know you know how it's just like the Oscars, right? The media mm. breaks down like all your your thank you speech and mm, sort yeah, of attack yeah. you on all points, and then they said, oh, you know, I was um I was being very rude because it's the fiftieth year. There are like so many great directors down there, mm. and you know me just be singling him out, you know, is disrespectful to the others. Um, and then I said something like, uh, because you know with with most ceremonies you know it's it's a live telecast right it's been mm. to like a billion people around the world mm. um and at some point you know the show is over running and then and then they, they start playing music and they want to rush you off stage and then yeah. and then I, I just literally said in mandarin um you know um the equivalent of um oh please let me finish because um because the show has overrun anyway oh you said that <laughs> on stage yeah and, <laughs> and calling out the got, producers I, yeah and then and then and then i got flagged again like literally oh. um yeah because because they said like who are you you know you this young you know like nobody from singapore asking this 50 years of golden horse like yeah to wait for you and all that like i i don't know like all of a sudden um in fact i was on a radio show like um, the next day and I was asked to apologize for what I said. Oh, seriously? And, yeah. And then, um, yeah, so, and then I remember when I won Best Screenwriter, Best Original Screenplay, because I didn't expect to win it, I went mm. up and then I said, I said, like, I've never thought I was that good a screenwriter, you know? <laughs> so I thought that was... Yo, you know, like, Anthony, wow. that, one, that one, you do sound humble bragging. Humble yeah. bragger. Uh, that one is a bit young punky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but... But yeah, but but basically, people are saying like, oh, you know, if you're not a good screenwriter, like, why do you deserve the award? So <laughs> like, you're you're also insulting all the other nominees. Are those are those clips so, online? Like, it, I was I was really. Are, are those clips online? Um, it was it was in, it was all over. Uh, are the what? Sorry? Are those clips like excerpts of that 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 your acceptance speech online? Anywhere online? Yeah, all the I mean the clips are yeah I mean I mean they're probably online or whatever. But what I'm saying uh -huh. is like the next day it was all over the tabloids, like you know the things I shouldn't have said and all that. But I was mm. really attacked, left, right, center, and then all of a sudden I realized that, 
oh, you know, like one doesn't go into like this big, you know, it's like going into the Oscars and then not preparing a thank you speech mm. and then mm. late, later on sort of, yeah, because you realize that it's still a live show and it's watched like by millions and millions of people mm. um, and people are going to judge you, you know, for that few minutes. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah so I... Yeah, I, I mean, I, I learned it the hard way. So the lesson, and of course, the you know, we was... were like, we were like the ultimate dark horse. You know, we mm. were, it was the first time a Singapore film has been nominated in so many categories and like six nominations, you know, like, um, and, and, and very big sort of like categories as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, we, I think we, we didn't go in thinking that we would be like the winner of the night, you know, amongst like, um, all this, you know, like, very very um respected so, sort of so um, your, pioneers your biggest takeaway was basically to always go prepared for these award shows with a thank you speech uh, as if you were you're gonna win everything <laughs> you see you never do 10 year series no anthony chen <laughs> you need to do the 10 year series of acceptance speeches yeah. <laughs> hello singapore I mean, never I trained you is it <laughs> No, but it, you're right. Singapore never trained me. And I can tell you, I think Singapore was completely caught off guard as well. You know, like mm -hmm. all of a sudden, um, whether it's Channel News Asia or like Straits Times or Taobao, they were like, yeah, we should have just made the trip there. You know, <laughs> all of a sudden, you know. Well, they no, didn't because, go. No one went. No one went, is it? Um, I, of course, there was a correspondent from, yeah. I think, CNA, you know, covering Taiwan. Mm. But, but I think nobody knew it was going. Even... I'll be really honest, right? I think Singapore Film Commission had no clue like <laughs> it's going to explode in that way, you know? Uh -huh. Like, I think because... So you're right, Singapore didn't train us. Uh, mm. Singapore didn't train me, like, because there wasn't that precedent. There wasn't mm. even that precedent, you know, like, you know, of, of winning an award in Cannes. I mean, technically, I won a small award For in Cannes with right? a short film. Yeah. But, yeah. but with a feature film, it was, like, really huge. So... Um, yeah, you just sort of like learn along the way, you know, you sort of like started to realize that this was a, a really big deal. So, so mm. when, when you were growing up, I assume that like, do you want to make films when you were young, like straight up off the bat? I knew I wanted to become a filmmaker when I was 15. Okay, so when you were 15, In fact, right? I told my form teacher, like, I want to be a film director. I told my form teacher that. So, so um, when you were 15, did you did you have any, you know, like, did you have, like, okay, a goal? You know, one day I'm going to win a golden horse. Or at that point in time, was it even part of the, the your your psyche, your, your thinking that, oh, that's possible? Uh. No, because all I knew when I was 15 was, you know, originally I didn't want to be a filmmaker. I thought I would, you know, I wanted to pursue theater. I wanted to, to you know, like go onto the stage. I was, you know, as, as a child, you know, like 10, 11 years old, I was, I was doing a lot of performing and acting on, on, on stage in children's theater, children's musicals for like mm. 10 years. Mm. So I always thought I was, you know, like going into theater. Mm. Um, but, you know, it was secondary school, you know, when we had to, like, do English literature. And I, I, I really couldn't get Shakespeare. And I was like, if one, if one doesn't get and can't connect with, like, the world's greatest sort of, like, playwright, dramaturg, like, how are you going to, you know, pursue a career in theatre? So, so, at that point, 
yeah, I, I was thinking, I was a little bit like, oh, why am I getting doing my life? So I remember it was about 15 when I was exposed to a lot of um, foreign films, mm-hmm. you know, including like this one, you know, um, which is Francois Truffaut's Foreign Blows, The French New Wave, you know, the Taiwanese uh, New Wave, like the films from Ang Lee. Um, I was exposed to like Japanese films and all of that. And it just changed like my whole idea of what cinema can be. I mean, growing up in Singapore, you know, like literally grew up on a diet of like Jackie Chan, Bruce Willis, um, Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mm. like Stephen Chow and like Hong Kong vampire Mm. films, right? So all of a sudden like that just, you know, like open up like, oh, actually the pacing, the shape, like the camera, everything feels so different, but somehow, um, yeah, I I was moved and I was really, um, taken away. Yeah, but question: um, uh, When you say exposed to those films, like what do you actively go, you know, to substation to to watch films, or was it like someone introduced you? Was there somebody who you know brought you into? Not the, really. The I think it started. It started really from you know, like years ago. There was like cine leisure used mm. to uh, play foreign films. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, you know, like Cathay Cine Leisure, like upstairs. Yeah, there's always one hall, you know, like one small hall that plays. I can't remember, you know, like, was it called the Picture House or whatever it is? Like, you know, like, basically, it used to play foreign films. So I I went and saw, like, my first Italian film, my first French film and all that. And then later on, you know, it was, like, a combination of, like, pirated VCDs and DVDs, you know, like, Mm -hmm. from, like, Batam. Yeah, so... Um, it was that really because my my parents are not in the arts, you know. Mm. Like my my, yeah. My I don't think my dad actually understands any of my work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean yeah. I remember for- one day, you know, like because I'm a I'm a BAFTA Academy member, so I have to vote for the BAFTAs, you know. So yeah, just yeah. like the Oscars, like you get sent a lot of screeners, right? Mm-hmm. Like for you to watch so that you can vote for the categories. And I remember I had a ton of screeners um you know and i brought them you know back to singapore like over chinese new year um and and i was just watching them you know like in the living room and my my dad and then one day i put in like black panther and my dad was like oh my god this film is so good why why are you not making this this kind of film huh? why ah why ah black panther you said black panther Panther. like marvel black Black panther Panther, literally yeah actually on on that note right like let's say right like marvel came to you anthony chen and said you know what we want you to direct the next Captain Captain Marvel movie. Yeah. Would you? Is that was that something you would consider, or, or do you? Feel I would say, I would say you'll make it in Chinese. Uh, no, 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 no. I, I would say like not now because you know I'm not. I'm. I really. I didn't sort of like grow up with like you know like comics and graphic novels and mm. all that. You know, I've I've seen a bit of that. You know, like you know on 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 cartoons and all of that, but. But no, you know, I, I, I'm not really into that sort of thing, mm. which is why for me to do anything, I just need to really connect very deeply with the character, which means if there's an offer coming through, if I look at it and I go like, oh my God, like that, that darkness or that pain or that whatever, like I really get it. Mm. Then I'll do it, but I'll say maybe not now. I'll 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 say never say never because, 
um, you know, some of the projects that I'm working on, like in the UK, um, you know, in the English language, um, you probably seeing my work, you probably go like, oh, um, this is quite different from your culture. This is quite, um, you know, there's quite a gap from like your earlier films, which are very restrained, really subtle, um, you know, and, and, and some of the stuff that I'm, I'm, I'm doing. So I yeah. would say never say never. Okay, but just for... Just going back uh, from, I mean, ninety percent of Singaporeans know your you and your work and everything. But just for the ten percent that aren't very familiar, um, can you just explain what why you're in London right now? How come you're based out of London, working on Singapore films and telling Singapore stories? Uh? Um, okay, and I don't think it's ninety percent. To be very honest, I really think it's probably like forty percent. No la, no la. I think I don't think so. Really? No, no I, I. I think I think no. At least I, no, 80, I, I, I think so. I I really think if it was like ninety percent, there would be so much more, you know, support and um, mm. you know, like for not. I'm not talking about my work. You know, like for. Mm a lot of other like of my contemporaries of you know my fellow filmmakers you know so much more support of of you know local films that probably is not just you know a slapstick comedy mm. so i'm not sure it's 90% going back to why am i in london you know i um you know i did film school in singapore i did 3 year film school at neon poly um and then i went um and then later on i actually did film school twice. So I came to mm. the UK to do film school. Mm -hmm. um, and I did actually my master's here. I did a two year sort of like um, master's in film directing at the National Film and Television School. And that was also the time when I met my wife. My wife is also an overseas student, you know, not from Singapore, she's from China. Um, she wasn't in film school, she was at the London School of economics doing economics she was doing her masters and then her phd um mm. and you know I, I literally got married at a very young age i got married at 25 mm. i got married when i was still a student um and um you know when i graduated i was you know like that you know i made a, a rather british sort of like graduation film and and there was a very good response from the industry so um, you know, I had some offers from like um, agencies, um, talent agencies in the UK and I, I signed to a, a UK agent here. And then also my wife was still, you know, at the start of her PhD. So she still had mm -hmm. like four more years. Mm. So in a way, it, it just became a very organic thing where we stayed on, we fell in love, we fell in love with the city. Um, yes, you know, I was, I was still making work out of Singapore. So like a lot of times when I shoot or, or when I'm in prep, I'm actually still in Singapore a lot, even though, you know, London has been home for many years, like 12 years now, but mm. that's, um, and then later on, of course, you know, my wife found a job here. Um, yeah, so there, there are, and then I'm working on a few projects here as well, you know, like, um, film and TV projects, you know, in the UK, um, over the past number of years. So yeah, that's the reason why I'm in London. Do do um, do, do people ever say a lot say, of people do wonder? But do people ever say that because I mean you're you're based out you're not in Singapore but you're telling these Singapore stories that are meant to you know hit close to the hit, hit close to the heart and everything? Does that do you think uh, being in London, being away from Singapore, does that help or hinder the process of making a Singapore film? I'm actually really thankful that I have that distance. You know, mm. a lot of times. I think it's with the distance that gives you that clarity, you know, like mm, that distance allows you 
to see more clearly, you know, like um, your country, you know, like your society, your home, your people, uh, your family. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I more and more I realize that, you know, I mean, just, you know, just put your hand, you know, like before your eyes, you know, mm. if when you're too close, you know, it's actually out of focus and you don't get all that detail. But mm. when you start to see it, you know, from far, you know, first, you're more objective. You're not sort of like just completely sucked into it. And, and you know, there's a lot of like uh, uh, blind spots, mm. I would say. So I, I, I find it, um, I find it so useful. And I, I'm, I'm actually thankful that, that with that distance, you know, I, I still continue to tell the stories about about home, you know, that I, I care for, you know, like, but I would say, you know, like every time making a film about home, sort of like, it warms my heart, but at the same time, pains my heart, like in equal mm. measure. So, so um, it's, it's a very interesting, I think, relationship I have, you know, like with, um, with home. So, so then how do you keep track on, uh, of the pulse on the ground in Singapore? I mean, besides listening to every Yalabad episode, <laughs> I like how you just sidestep the question, Anthony. A very skilled interviewee. <laughs> what? No, 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 but but you're right. You know, like it's interesting. You know, like because because of social media, right? Because mm. like of the internet. Because you know, like I don't think we could have done this like 20, 30 years ago. But yeah. now you really get a sense of how it's like. You know, on the ground, even though you are, you know. Um, um, quite far away mm. um, whether is it through you know like Facebook or Instagram or like even like friends yeah um, uh, it's quite incredible like the amount of information you get via WhatsApp as well you know like yeah, depending yeah. on what sort of groups you're in um, right. I get a lot of like you I really get a lot of sense of what the ground is like from my dad because he is in a lot of uncle auntie groups mm. and you know sometimes they you know, they, they share sometimes too many like truths and untruths. Yes, um, yes, yes. But you get a sense of, of their own anxieties and, and their own sort of like um, uh, struggles and, and, and um, yeah, unhappiness or whatever it is. Um, but at the same time, I would say this, you know, I'm a, I, I, I would say I'm, ve I'm very sensitive um, I'm very sensitive a person and I'm very observant. So I, you know, whether it's in London or in Singapore, I'm, I'm always watching people. I'm always mm. listening and, and actually that really helps. So it's not like, Oh, having to spend like the entire year. Sometimes like, even if it's, if I spend two months, but I'm on the bus all the time. I'm on the MRT all the time. Mm. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm always observing like, um, yeah, the men and women on the streets, so, um, and they inform they inform my work. In fact, my work is very personal, not just from like a really personal place, such as like it's just me, but it's personal in such a way like it's it's all my interactions with, you know, like family, friends, society, you know, with strangers even. So then, um, then now, I mean, the fact that you are in London, uh, and you know, in in the world right now, London seems very different from Singapore. So as someone who is away from Singapore but still watches Singapore, you know, like the omnipresent uh, uh, eye watching Singapore, how, how does 
being in London where, you know, COVID and the restrictions and all are tighter, you're observing Singapore from far. Well, how do you make of it? Uh? Because, you know, in Singapore, a lot of people have perceptions about what's happening on the ground. But like what you said, you know, when you're further away, you can be more objective. Mm. Well, what are some of the thoughts you have? Uh? I think, you know, I, I mean, this is my critical side, but I think um, Singaporeans don't know how blessed they are. Mm. Um, there is really a lot of suffering i think mm, mm, mm. not just in the uk you know perhaps in america and also like across europe you know um you literally and i'm not talking about just sort of like working you know like working class people on on sort of like zero hours contract on sort of like you know temporary jobs you know they're suffering i'm talking about this whole pandemic you start to see even like in my industry you know the film and media industry you know like you see freelancers that you know or people doing events you know that have got a nice house, got four kids, you know, like was earning a good salary, but they were based on like, you know, like doing, you know, that many of projects every month and everything just stopped. Mm -hmm. You literally see, you know, uh, middle-class people that have kids in sort of like good schools, you know, you know, like all of a sudden out in the streets, going to lining up, you know, like begging for food or like going to food banks, you know, uh, feeling sort of like, embarrassed about like you know why am i you know like you know not even having the money to like pay the bills and and i have to be here lining up with homeless people for sort of like food packages mm. um it has really i think it's it's very humbling i think it's very humbling and and in fact i always find that's what i what that's what i love about sort of like being in london you know mm. um even pre-pandemic you know i i find it so humbling that you know you, you can go on and do this whole rah-rah show about like oh me and my awards and yes you know mm. like i probably have won like the highest accolades you know ever for a singapore filmmaker i probably has you know for an art house film like box the highest box office you know like 1.2 million dollars like in singapore for you know like all mm. of that things but when you're in London, like, who cares? Like, there, there's so much talent around you. Mm. You know, I everyone, like, I, I know sort of like Oscar-nominated BAFTA, you know, like winning filmmakers, they're still sort of like struggling to get their next project sort of greenlit. You know, like everyone is still sort of like having to fight and having to really, you know, I, it's, you know, like all these accolades, it's, it's like nothing, you know? Like mm. over here, um, there's just so much talent um, that, um, yeah, you feel so small. You feel mm -hmm. so small. And, and of course, you know, being a, a minority, you know, being of a different sort of like skin color, a different race, you know, you, you, you constantly have to prove yourself like why you're as good as like, you know, like the white guy, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. constantly have to prove like why you should be telling an English language film, why sh should you be like, yeah, making a film a very sort of like, you know, like British sort of like white middle-class story, like why you, you know? Mm -hmm. um, so I actually like that, you know, yeah. because that's the only way I'm, I'm sort of like, it really, you know, like it beats you up, you beat yourself up and it forces you to grow. Yeah, so actually um, the, I wanted to ask because I think uh, a lot, I mean, part of the reason we're talking is also to, you know, for people to hear your story, especially young filmmakers, you know, ten years ago, the young Anthony Chen coming out of school and everything. The one, what, what would you say to a young filmmaker today, like coming out of uh, you know, poly or, or any film school, 
and they want to make it big as a Singaporean, you know, but like, you know, you're talking about big fish, small pond, small, big fish, big pond issue. Like, do you, would you advocate that the first thing they should do is get out of Singapore maybe? No, I'm not sure that's the case, you see, because in fact, I would say it's, you know, like if, you know, like back to what you were just saying, you know, mm. like if the, if the question is about making it big, then perhaps you're getting it wrong entirely because mm. it's so painful. I've always find, I don't know why people think like, oh, it's such a joy. It's, it's like, you know, it's, <laughs> it, it's, 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 no, it's such a joy and it's like really glam and you're, following and you're your sort of like and in the limelight. Like, but, 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 but it's really, it's really difficult. I think the whole mm. experience, whether is it from writing a script, conceptualizing something, all the way to, you know, directing, putting it together, financing, like everything, the, you know, like the medium itself, you know, it's not easy. The industry itself, it's tough, it's harsh, it's brutal. Mm. Um, so I just don't understand, like the only reason why one could, you know, like be going in for the long run, it's, it's because you really love it so much or you really want it so much, you know, like mm. you, you, you have that sort of like that, that burning fire in you to you know, want to tell stories, you know, like visually, you know, like you have something that you really need to say in that way. So I, 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 I'm, I think if, if, if from the start, you know, if it was about, oh, like I want to be famous or I want to be big, you know, I think that that would be the wrong mindset. Um, mm. yeah, because I've, I've always, you know, in fact, I would advocate, you know, like you can only start by making the, the things and the telling the stories that you know about, mm. you know, I, I made, I've always made very personal films. I've always made very, um, you would say very local stories, like even now, as I'm moving towards like making films outside of Singapore or, or making work outside of Singapore, they're also really personal in a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I would say you, you wouldn't be able to sort of like just jump and say, oh, I'm going to go to wherever and then make a film there, you know, like because, because for me, filmmaking or, or like storytelling, it's always about finding the truth, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and... You know, if, if you don't actually understand it, if you don't actually get it, how do you even expect audiences to get it? You so, know, because you, you yourself haven't even sort of like, um, yeah, really distilled it in your system. So then, you know, like you grew up in Singapore and then now you're in London, right? And I think um, for me, for, for example, when I was growing up, I always used to think, why? Because I never grew up wanting to make films from young. La. I kind of stumbled into it. La. I was on track mm. to become an engineer. Uh, making my parents proud and stuff like that, right? Um, but even when I entered the industry, part of me was like, okay, you know, Singapore's small and you, you know, we grew up hearing the rhetoric that Singapore's small, we we don't have natural resources, we have to do this, we have to do this. And I always felt like, shit, if I want to make a story that's true to me or Singapore, why would people outside Singapore care? So what I wanted to ask you is, do you, have you been surprised or is it what you expected for the stories that resonate with Singaporeans how they could resonate with people outside of Singapore. Like, is there, are Singapore, are Singaporeans more alike to people in other countries than we think? Or are we vastly different? Or are there some universal truths that everybody kind of like can relate to? 
Yeah, I, I believe in universal truth and universal emotion, you know. I think eventually, you know, yes, you know, you can talk about, you know, cinema as you can split it in genres, you know, like horror and thrillers or whatever it is. But but you also can so split it, you know, like in a more intellectual way, you know, like, you know, like think of it as, as an intellectual piece of work or, or, or is it sort of like uh, a social commentary or whatever it is. But in the end, like the heart of all cinema of all filmmaking in the end you know it's really about capturing um the human condition in the mm -hmm. end is that you know whether is it a mother-daughter story or whether is it you know like even in a horror film it's usually sort of like oh the father has to save the family the father has to save like the son from the devil or whatever like yeah but in the end it's always about emotions and it's always about the human condition so so and that is completely universal so mm. when you get it right you know yeah it can really touch a lot of people i was very surprised i was very surprised i can tell you i i had no idea elo elo you know like was gonna sort of like explode in such a big way until we had that premiere in khan and I saw for myself like so many people and obviously they were mostly like white European folk, you know, um, mm. they were completely in tears and then it was a sta 10 minute standing ovation. And I was like, seriously, you know, because when I was making the film, you know, I had friends telling me like, yeah, but why are you making a film? Why are you making this film? You know, you know, you've already, you know, like been to Berlin and Cannes with your short films, you've won awards overseas, you know, you should make something more shocking, more controversial. You know, why, who wants to watch a film about like Filipino maid and a, and a, and a 10 year old boy? Like who wants to watch like some do domestic, you know, like drama from Singapore, you know, living in a HDB flat. Mm. But it's quite interesting because, you know, the film eventually sold to like 30 countries around the world. It did really well in France. It did really well in, you know, like, of course, um, in, 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 in some of the Chinese speaking Asian countries, it did mm. well, even really places like Sweden, you know, in fact, you know, I, I, I saw for myself how, how it really, you know, like translated in such a universal way when I was in Kazakhstan. Oh, really? Wow. And I had like, almost like the best screening and the worst screening of my life because you know like in Kazakhstan like everything on television everything like in like in whether is it like a big art house cinema or whether it's a sort of big multiplex um, it's dubbed in Russian mm. so I myself had to watch Ilo Ilo dub like live you know there was in an Russian. old lady <laughs> in front yes correct like oh, before the stage she had a little lamb on and then she was just reading uh you know like she was literally reading every single character live and then they'll play the sound of the film slightly lower so that you can hear her voice oh, wait it was the and same she, person she would read it in such yeah and it's completely monotonous and she was doing it live <laughs> so they don't watch it with what subtitles the they don't <laughs> and then at the end like when the film finished right it was so painful and the film finished like and then the ro the credits were rolling right and then I literally told like the coordinator you know the guest coordinator like I I, I, I really can't watch this I, I need to I need to go back to the hotel because like I, it's so <laughs> yeah I thought they have completely bastardized my film you know and then I just wanted to sort of like 
hide in a pit or something like that. I said, can you take me back to hotel? And then all of a sudden, like, like, like the lights came on and I couldn't leave. And then, and then I look at all these people. Oh my God, they were all in tears. And I was like, I just watched the worst version of this film, <laughs> completely dark. The music was playing so softly because like they had to hear the voice and then like it was monotonous. And I, why are you into tears? So and even, I did like a even in half the, an hour Q&A session. Yeah, even the crying that's the scenes, power of cinema. Even the crying scenes, the person doing the voiceover, she didn't put any emotion at all. It no, was just, no, oh, no, oh, oh, it shit, was an shit. old lady. It was like a 70-year-old lady <laughs> sort of like crying? reading literally from a list. Did she cry? No, she was like, I think she's rare professional. She probably like, that's what she does as a job. You know, for film festivals, she just does sort of like live translation. You know, like she she has the dialogue and she's just reading. Yeah, and she's got a little lamp on, you know, at the side of the, of the or just next to the screen, you know, at the side that's of crazy. the stage. Mm. It's oh. crazy, but... But, you know, um, that's the power of cinema, which is why more and more these days, like sometimes when you watch foreign films mm. and, you know, you haven't got the subtitles, actually you can still understand what's going on. Mm. Can, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so like whenever those sort of things happen and you have a mind-blowing experience like that or after the 10 minutes standing ovation in Cannes, right, do you walk around after that like you are the shit, you know, like, yo guys, I'm Anthony Chen. You know, like just walking around like a badass. No, 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 no. You sure? No, no, no. I don't believe you. I because bet on the streets of Kazakhstan no. that night, you were walking around. <laughs> no, no, but no. Uh, um, because especially, you know, for example, when you are at a festival at Khan, right? Yeah. Like, you know, like you're just this first debut feature going there you know like amongst mm. like all the greats right like everyone's concern it's 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 gonna be on like you know like the Scorsese and the Soderbergh and the, like the next like Haneke or whatever it is mm. so I I don't know like in, in a way it's 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 constantly still sort of like really uh humbling but you what you feel like I think that premiere is when you know something was happening mm. you know like you just you just know something was happening but you don't know what but i know the next day you started to see results because the day after the premiere the film sold to 10 countries like mm. us was so uk was so france was so like all like um all like the key markets you know like um were sold and yeah and that is when you know like oh wow so it wasn't after the film had won a prize, like literally after premium, you started to hear, you started to feel something was going on. Mm. You don't know what. You know, like I mean I wasn't as sort of like experienced or seasoned a filmmaker that I don't really know like how the you know, it was a huge learning curve, you know, like how this whole international distribution works, like you know, like to be honest, I had no idea and I wish someone had told me. Like I said, mm. we were not taught in Singapore because I had no idea you'd spend two, three years making a film and then you spend two years of your life promoting it. I had no idea. Mm. I had no idea that it's going to be that because when it breaks out, actually you do that, you know? And all of a sudden, you know, when you ask me about like Khan and Golden Horse, it's quite interesting because it took me a year, you know, like all this happened in 2013, right? Yeah. It took me a year after to really process what has happened mm. because... It was just, you know, I, I felt like I was just chasing this train. I was just running after it. And 
I didn't feel, you know, a lot of people were like texting me, calling me, oh, we're so happy, we're so proud, blah, blah. You know, and then I was doing all those interviews and then, but I didn't really get to, you know, feel happy for myself or really mm. feel um, um, what it meant for me because I felt like I was just working for the film. Mm. I just felt like, you know, I'm representing my country, I'm representing the film, I need to, you know, like, I need to work hard, you know? So yeah. I, I was constantly just, you know, so you'd go to like Tokyo and then like you, you know, like during the, 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 the um, 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 release, you know, and then you do a whole week of interviews, like every day morning from nine o'clock you wake up and then you do like nonstop interviews, like, you know, like TV, radio, print, you know, like newspapers all the way until 7 p.m. And then the next day you do it like, and then you go to New York, you do that, you go to LA, you do that. And then you go to France, I did two weeks in France. And then you just feel like you, you just have to constantly, I was, you know, so in a way it was a very disjointed feeling Mm. I was feeling happy for the film. Mm. I wasn't actually ha feeling happy for myself because I was feeling like I had to continue, you know, like feeding and like working for the film. Yeah. yeah. It's really hard to explain it, but it really, it really, it, it took one year later. I remember exactly that moment, right? Because I, you know, I was so busy. And then finally all the traveling stopped. Mm. You know, like after, you know, sometime I had a break, you know, like between the next travel, I had a break of, you know, a few weeks and then I went hiking, you know, like in the Lake District with like my wife and then we were just, you know, like walking up a mountain and and literally when we got like, you know, like to one of the, um, uh, you know, like on the top of the, you know, like a smaller hill and that was when I suddenly... You know, like the memories of like what has happened, blah, 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 came mm. in and then I felt, and I smiled and I felt happy, you know, like for mm. myself, <laughs> you know, but, but it was quite, it was quite surreal and experience because like, you know, I remember for two years, you know, I was living in London, but I was never in London. I would like be going from one festival or like doing promotion from one place and I come back literally just enough time to do my laundry, wash the clothes, you know, go from Heathrow home, you know, which took you know, like an hour and a half. And then after that, you know, like the next day going back to the airport again. Mm -hmm. I mean, that was, that was it, you know, like I was, and I, I, and I just felt like I just need to be like, you know, tip top, you know, and, you know, I, I need to continue to be excited, you know, mm -hmm. like, because I'm literally doing like, what, three, 400 interviews, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like over the cross. And I was always talking about, because it's going to be, so the same questions, right? Oh, what inspired you to do the film? You know, what was mm -hmm. it like winning Khan? Mm -hmm. And then like, I was just, and then I, I had to continue, you know, like, you know, giving that same energy. Like I was talking, you know, about it for the first time. I was like feeling really happy for the film, but, but I wasn't able to really, yeah, connect it with like, yeah, what does it mean for me? So did your wife, was your wife, your wife was with you, like, did she find it very strange why you're suddenly smiling to yourself in the middle of that, a hike? <laughs> that sounds like a scene out of a movie. Yeah. Really. <laughs> Just walking, smiling no, to yourself. No, I don't think, I don't think that because I, I, um, I don't know because I can tell you, you know, like at the start of the whole process, I'm, I'm so glad, right, that yes, you have to work for two years, right, and sadly, you don't get you know, like you, you don't get paid for the two years, right, of mm. promotion. Mm. But the good thing is like they pay your flights and they pay your accommodation mm. wherever you go, like they, they feed you, right? So yeah. in a way, you get to travel for free. 
you know, but but you have no real income for two years. But at at one point, I remember after Khan, I was so broke that I didn't even have after Elo Elo, I didn't even have money to buy my air ticket back to Singapore. You know, oh, even so though I was getting orders. Texas sort of like from family from friends you know from like the you know like industry colleagues but I think no one no one knew how broke I was like mm. I didn't even have money to sort of like buy you know like I just knew we just I just knew like people were really happy and uh, at home I remember the person that paid for my air ticket to fly back to Singapore was actually my French distributor oh, oh really? really as in why yeah, was there a reason I, yeah no because um he had to bring me back from you know singapore after the singapore release to france to promote the film anyway and mm-hmm. somehow you know like so he could buy an air ticket where i could fly from paris after a festival or mm. like after the publicity back to singapore and then back again or something like that but okay, it was okay. it was yeah so, so so that means after i mean it clear it clearly resonated with a lot of people around the world it got a lot of good traction but how do you feel when then you come back to singapore and you hear people say ah yeah anthony chen two art house lah. his movies to art house, what would you? How do you respond? Or how do you feel when you hear comments like that? Huh? Um, you know what? I've already felt very thankful that with that film, it really opened up and invited a lot of audiences that normally wouldn't have seen the film to come see the film. Maybe because of the award, maybe because mm. of Golden Halls, you know, maybe because of all the publicity. Um, so, you know. <sighs> we just have to keep sort of like, I don't know, as filmmakers, you know, educating the audience, you mm. know, like getting people to take a chance on our work. Um, unfortunately, you know, for many years, I think Singapore cinema has been defined, you know, like, um, yeah, in, in a very narrow way. Mm. Um, and I'm actually so proud of our filmmakers, mm. you know, because we are all so different in sensibility, you know, like in tone and style. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll, I don't know. Actually, I, I don't mind when people say that because I'm actually quite happy that, you know, like if you're saying that, at least you have come see the film, you know? Mm. And, and, you know, like maybe if you watch, you know, like similar types of films, like two times, three times, four times, more times, oh, you would start to get into the hang of, oh yeah, there's a different way to watch a piece of cinema or to watch, you know, like a, a movie. Yeah. So yeah, in fact, I can tell you like most, like amongst the industry, like most people were very surprised by how well um, Ilo Ilo did in Singapore. <laughs> I remember my own, one of the producers, you know, like she was, you know, even after the award, after Khan, she was saying like, yeah, you know, like, you know, all these years, you know, she used to, many years ago, she used to work for, for a studio in Singapore. And then like, you know, like, there's never been an art house film in Singapore that's made money. Mm-hmm. Like at most, you know, like 200,000 at box office. Um, yeah, I think, you know, we should be happy already. And then and when it hit 300, she said, yeah, you know, like it's never happened before, you know, like maybe, you know, with all the bars, 500. And then it just... You know, like at some point I said, oh, when even when we hit 800,000 at the box office, she was telling me, um, yeah, you know, like that's, it's not possible. You know, no art houseman has ever crossed a million. So, yeah, so it, it became this. So there was like, why I was working so hard for the film because I felt like there was something to prove with this film as well. You know, mm-hmm. like this could be a game changer. It could sort of like open the door to not just my the films that I make later on, but to a lot of other 
filmmakers, you know, mm. making their work. Mm. Uh, because yeah, if people are gonna take a chance on this film, maybe they might buy a ticket to watch, you know, another Singapore film that is, you know, not so mainstream, not a comedy or whatever it is. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I I feel like I'm 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 literally living a life of just proving people wrong, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So and so so just now you mentioned and, and I quite like that. So, so you know you just now you mentioned the French New Wave, the Taiwanese New Wave, and I I've also heard of the Canadian wave of cinema. I think where there were these bunch of filmmakers that came together. So do you think how where do you think assuming the life cycle from no wave to wave, where do you see Singapore filmmaking on that graph? I really think what we are experiencing now, right, mm. is. Um, yeah, <laughs> you know, to quote your words, right, a new wave of Singapore cinema. Mm. You know, like whether is it like you know, um, you know, Bu Junfong or Raja or Kirsten or like Yo Siu Hua. You know, like I, I just feel like um, you know, like filmmakers of you know, like my generation. You know, pushing out their you know feature films at this and in a in a past sort of like. Um, f- <laughs> what, 10 years, I, I feel the next five to 10 years, if we get it right, when I say we get it right, I don't mean the filmmakers, you know, mm. I'm talking about is SFC, IMDA, if mm. the public, if, you know, like, you know, like if the private sector is gonna sort of like really support, you know, like the Singapore filmmakers in a big way, I, I really think this might be the golden age. This might be a real, you know, because I'm seeing a lot of wonderful mm. short films coming out. But can know? we, can um, we uh, just drill into that a little bit in terms of, because you mentioned quite a few different um, uh, stakeholders, la, the public, IMDA and, and filmmakers. So, I mean, in the terms of the public, like what, what are you expecting uh, or hoping for? La? I I really feel you know, like there could be so much more support for Singapore. I was actually very disappointed with, mm. you know, like the attendance, like the audience numbers, the box office for like a land imagine. I think it was mm. just, you know, like just under like 40,000 sing. Mm-hmm. I I just felt, yes, you know, it might not be an easy film for like the average sort of like movie goer to understand and all that, you know, but you know, given like, you know, the award, you know, it was such an illustrious award, you know, it won the Golden Leopard in Locarno, which is also one of the uh, top tier festival. And then, you know, given all that media publicity, I just felt, you know, like we should have gone out more to support, like, Does that happen? Does that happen in other countries? Like, I mean, Taiwan? I think it does. Or Malaysia? I think it does. Oh, really? Um, I think when, you know, like on that scale, you know, like when, when, when a film has really, you know, like hit big time in that way, I think it, it, it wouldn't be as dismal as that, you mm. know, it would have been, I'm not saying like, oh, you know, because of that, it would have like made a million dollars, but easily we could have supported such that, you know, the box office would at least be like 10 times of that. Mm. Even if you don't get it, even if you like, you don't know, you know, um, 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 don't understand completely, but you know, take a chance. Mm. I mean, it's, it's literally, I mean, we can, we are, we are, we are quite happy to spend so much money on whining and dining and we can't pay like, what, 
eight, ten, twelve dollars, you know, like to support a Singapore film. Is it like so, fourteen dollars um, now to watch Singapore? Yo, Anthony, you sure you got your fingers on the pulse or not? <laughs> eight dollars is enough. Seven years old, eight dollars maybe. <laughs> It's like oh god, red-handed plus popcorn, everything twenty-five dollars so- already. <laughs> I mean, is, depending on where you go and like, and, yeah, and yeah. whether it's like, whether is it like weekday, right? Yeah. Like in the afternoons. Yeah, yeah. But go projector. No, I want a cocktail no, so yeah. another fifteen dollars. No, but Anthony. So do you like? Why do you think it is the responsibility of a citizen to support local films? Mm, yeah, correct. You know, like, I'll go back to Korea, you know, like, I think the reason why Korea, you know, like, you know, whether is it like, you know, like the handphones, right, from Samsung, all the way, like, to, like, TV drama, all the way to, like, to, like, you know, like, the film exports to, like, the, yeah, but, you know, it, it didn't, it wasn't, like, made just for export, you know, it was because there was support for it, you know, for its domestic sort of, like, uh, work and mm. it's quite interesting um, what I'm hearing is even like yes you know Netflix is putting a lot of money into like Korea but I think the strategy is very much is based on the fact that it needs to work domestically it's not like oh let's make Korean stuff for like the world like it needs to be like good you know like, it, it needs to be have it needs to do well in its home country mm. and I, I just feel Unfortunately, that's the case, you know, especially coming from a small country, you know, we are, what, you know, 5.5 million people, you know, Mm. of which, you know, like 2 million are transient. So, you know, like, you know, so um, transient foreigners. um, So, you know, like there are only, what, 2, 3 million people, you know, like in the world who could really champion and support and show love for Singapore cinema. There isn't like there isn't a reason why, you know, like yeah, other people should do it. You know, like the only way is for us to sort of back and support our own talent. Mm. Uh, and that's the only way they can sort of like continue growing. You know, okay. but so in because terms I, of- I I I absolutely believe this. You know, and I absolutely believe that we have filmmakers that have the talent, that have the caliber, have the potential to eventually go on. Um, to take the world in a big way. Mm. Whether it's making yeah. films in an English language or making films, you know, like on a more commercial scale or whatever it is, but we all have to start small. Yeah. Because that's how we learn, you know, like our craft. That's how we slow, slowly sort of like build our body of work. Mm. If you look at some of the biggest filmmakers in the world, like even Oscar nominated, like Oscar winning filmmakers, whether it's Ang Lee, Steven Soderbergh, they all started making like small little personal films. Mm-hmm. You know, like it wasn't like they, they went on to make this like big, huge sort of Oceans 11, Oceans 13, whatever it is, like overnight. You know, it started with Sex Lies and Videotape. Mm-hmm. You know, like Ang Lee started with his small little family dramas in, in Taiwan and also like, you know, like some of them were partially shot in New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the only way is we need to support them. We need to support so that if, if it doesn't become sustainable, you know, what I'm saying sustainable, I'm, I'm really on these films, like the filmmakers are not really paying themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, you know, but what I'm saying is like, if we can, you know, like show that these films, you know, yes, they're made on a smaller budget, but they could recoup and maybe they could, you know, make a little bit money. Yeah, then it would encourage, you know, like private sort of like funds to come continue supporting the films. You know, mm-hmm. like it would encourage them to have bigger ambitions. 
you know, otherwise we are we're gonna be stuck in a situation where, yes, you know, in mm. terms of skill, in terms of ambition, you know, it's always going to be, yes, you know, like a few people in a HDB flat. Yeah, mm. so actually we I mean we spoke to Jasmine from Aware uh, previously and uh, we asked her like why is it, you know, um why why do you need to have people championing causes and things like that? And she raised a good point was that sometimes you just need someone to take the lead, lah. You know, whether it's an industry leader to take the lead or someone in the private sector to take the lead, to take the lead and cause and lead the change. That means if you want a change in in the way people think, sometimes the law has to change first before before people slowly catch up, lah. Right. So in some ways, it kind of reminds me of um, this as well, lah. Like we have a you know. Uh, media development authority and everything as well uh they also there's also there's a lot of things that they do already do to support local filmmakers with grants and things like that because like, I've, I've heard also that oh you know singapore you're very lucky you have a lot of grants and things so what more can be done to help the infrastructure of filmmakers uh, or even just to help the public appreciate singapore film industry more and from from that I, sense I, uh, yeah I really think that it needs to be a collective effort. I feel mm. like it needs to be almost like um, everyone needs to feel like we had we can rally behind you know like our own culture, like our own filmmakers, our own artists. I think it 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 can't just be like whether is it like for artists like just the NAC or like or like for film you know SFC or IMDA you know mm. I I. I feel there's no point. Yes, you get the grants and then yes, it comes out and then people, you know, like don't really support it in a big way. I just think the only way is everyone and and sometimes it's just by the little things, you know. Mm. I can tell you like I find filming in Singapore incredibly painful because I find that we are very filming unfriendly. Mm when I go like opposite the causeway, Malaysia, you know, like I go into kampongs, you know, like they'll invite me in like, you know, and then make tea for me or whatever it is. In Singapore, it's like, oh, um, can I use your flat to sh- for filming? It's like, wow, they slam the door in your face. I, I think sometimes it's the small things, you know, like when you ask to film at a place, you know, it's always so transactional. Mm. Like if it's a private company, it's always like, tra- but, but all these indie films are made on such tight budget you know they yeah. are really so lean right, you know right. and yet we're spending so much money on on logistics on you know like even if it's like a government agency you know like you know it's not that you're paying the agency but there's a lot of other sort of like logistics i remember like we paid so much money on wet season you know like yeah. we had to close one sort of like lane or off a road because we're doing that massive huge rain scene at the end right the mm. breakup scene mm. and all that rain that you see, we had a crane and we created this sort of like big, I can't remember, you know, the dimensions, but but this 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 huge rain rig, and then we had to pump water out, and then to, to do all that, and then we had to sort of like close one section of the road, but it was so costly because we mm. had to hire sort of water barriers, and then it cost like thousands of dollars to put up signs through sort of like um, you know, like there are only a few contractors, you know, who are allowed to do that in Singapore. And it's the same contractors that do all these roads, you know, like all the signs telling about road diversions and all that for F- mm. F1, you know? Mm. I mean, when I you see, haven't got that sort of budget and then we had to hire, like we spend like 10 grand on auxiliary police, you know, because mm. as part of, 
you know, the approval doesn't cost that money, but as part of it, we had to do all of this. I mean, it works if I was, if it was crazy rich Asians, right? Mm. If you have that sort of budget, but, but how do you expect Singapore filmmakers to dream? You know, how mm. do you expect them to, you know, like achieve like much bigger ambitions if, you know, you only have so much to work with, but it's just so hard. Mm. So it's just so hard. So so just hearing like, you know, like um yeah, and and we totally feel your pain when you say, you know, filmmaking. Like for me, I, I fucking hate scripting, script, script writing. Like I like the end product, but the scripting part is very, very painful. And like from hearing you say life as a filmmaker is not easy, right? And then when you see things in, you know, like say the newspaper, the most non-essential jobs, I'm sure you saw that infographic and all. Why why, what would you, how would you respond to someone who says, you know, why should we put resources towards the arts? You know, even recently they announced that there's new arts university coming out. People are saying, hey, it's a useless degree. You know why in times of like when things are hard, you know, like can you actually sustain yourself? Or well, substation cannot make enough money to, you know, yeah. justify its existence, so, things like that. So huh? what would you say to someone who says, is arts really important? Isn't something more, you know, technical, like not say more, more, traditional where there's a path to career sustainability we, need, we need nurses and doctors more yeah. medical professionals i mean if you if you, if you ask me i i feel like the humanities and the arts it's you know the core of humanity and it's the core of even like our existence as humans as a civilization i mean even before there was science and technology we were telling stories you know, we are either telling stories, you know, like like that, you know, like almost like a podcast, right? You mm. know, verbally, or we were sort of like drawing cave drawings to, you know, like express what we are doing. Like it, it is, you know, like even before like science and tech, you know, like it was, it was storytelling, it was the art. So it's in the same way, I would, I would, I would argue that like during those, what, two months of circuit breaker, mm. You know, when everyone was at home and, you know, like, what was everyone doing? You know, like, you was just, you're just watching so much content on your devices. You know, whether is it your, your sort of like your handphone or whether is it like on your TV or your iPads or whatever it is. But, you know, like, where does all this content come from? It came from like writers, it came from directors, it came from actors. Yeah, it came from, yeah, so I would say... Um, it's very easy to just sort of like write it off, but um, yeah, I think it's it's the core of what we are, you know, like yeah. because we are born to sort of communicate. We are we are born to, yeah, be very sort of what I call like communal and collective animals. Yeah, and, mm. and I think I think um, you are in a super unique position to be able to speak about the industry and everything like. And you know, you know what they say about be the change you want to see. So do we see Anthony Chen possibly as a member of parliament next time? Oh. You know, coming to effect change for <laughs> the arts or do you know to speak out on behalf of, of you know the, the industry la? Or NMP or NMP also can NMP also, yeah. Yeah, possibly. NMP. Is that do you see oh. that as possibly in your in your timeline? No, then you know you can bring your wet season rig into parliament, then when someone says something that's annoying, you make it rain. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just make it rain. You know what? I don't think um I don't think I'm smart enough, you know. Yeah. Like I don't think I. Hey, have this that is sort like your golden horse uh, acceptance speech, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I don't think I don't. I really don't think I have that sort of um, intellectual rigor. And to be honest, I think I'm too blunt for my own good. So uh, easily, I could just step on people's toes because I, 
yeah, I just say what I feel. So I, 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 you know, I almost, <laughs> unfortunately, you know, I think in Asian society, especially, you know, like in Singapore as well, you know, like one just needs to be, you know, very diplomatic. I'm not sure. I'm, mm. I'm just a very diplomatic person. Mm. Uh, people that work with me know, you know, like, you know, I, you, um, you tell the you hard know, when you watch my, truth. when you, even <laughs> when you watch my, my films, you know, yeah. like, the reason why you know they capture so much raw emotions is because it's literally from here you know like it's, mm. they are very naked you know very exposed because that's what i do you know i mm. um yeah but that's it you are you are quite um i mean i in fact some of the the issues in the arts industry in singapore sometimes i, I first hear it from looking at your instagram story your facebook stories like about substation and all that like, so you are and you are like the involved you know in uh, SA, SAA MP as well as as a committee member and everything. So yeah, you you are very active in that in that sense like, of of trying to rally the industry together. So is there anything about the industry that we need to change in what we like, what the industry thinks or how we think or do to to make it bigger as well? Because we talked about public, we talked about IMDA, but how about filmmakers ourselves? Like you know, I always believe in sort of like giving back. You know, um, I and I can imagine. You know, sometimes it can be very lonely. You know, mm. like as a as a filmmaker, um, and um, I would say I'm perhaps you know compared to some of you know I've got a lot of talented sort of like um, colleagues. You know, like um, contemporary filmmakers. You know, like that I I respect and admire a lot. You know, like you know from Singapore they might not be as savvy like um i i write and direct but at the same time i also produce you know like i i i i force myself to learn you know like everything you know from distribution to marketing to everything i read the traits mm -hmm. um yeah but not everyone is like that you know not everyone has an interest to understand like the business and the industry side of it and i just feel it's important to to yeah give back and reach out because um, yeah, I hope that there will be more and more filmmakers sort of, um, yeah, that would that would be seen by the world whose works, you know, um, yeah, can sort of like um, emerge in a big way. Um, about industry, I have to say this, you know, I, I, you know, as much as I love, I love my crew a lot, you know, I love... Um, all the people that work on my films, you know, I'm very mm. thankful because such a, but I think there's a real problem that is getting very, very expensive, I think, to film mm. in Singapore. In Singapore, right? Um, mm. You know, the cost of crew, the cost of equipment, the cost of logistics. And I really do worry that it becomes, you know, like unsustainable. So- But can we can I explain? Know, I, I, I'm hoping, I'm hoping more and more, you know, like that, you know, like, you know that within an industry, everyone can perhaps help filmmakers a bit more in mm. terms of, you know, like sort of like you know making their rates more friendly when it's not a commercial and it's an independent mm. film. When it's you know, I think yes, of course, there's a perception that oh, Anthony, you've made it big already. You have all the money in the world to make your films now. You know, like yeah. um, you know, like after all these awards or after your Elo Elo box office, like you know, obviously, you know, like. It's yes, you know, it's very hard as after you, you have enjoyed success to go around sort of like, 
begging for favors, asking for discount, asking for deals. But in the end, you know, like we are a very small market. Mm. So we haven't got a huge domestic market, you know, like, like, you know, whether it's at Vietnam or Indonesia or Philippines or like even China. Yeah. Um, and, you know, at some point, you know, the budgets just have to be very prudent. So, mm. so even, even, even one wants to make a more ambitious film, it, there's more ambition, but it always has to be, you know, like rein in in terms of how much it, it would cost. But otherwise, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't make mm. sense to the finances. It doesn't make sense to people that you're asking money from. Mm. So I, I, I just hope that, I just feel like, yeah, if, if we get things right, if everyone sort of like, you know, like pitch in and, and help out, you know, like, you know, for the next five to 10 years, I think it would pay off. Mm. It would really pay off because for a country of our size, we have so much talent. Mm. You know, I'm I'm actually so proud of our filmmaking talent in our in our country. Mm. And and I'll say this, you know, in twenty, you know, twenty thirteen, sort of like Ilo Ilo, you know, won in Khan. I if I'm not wrong, twenty fourteen or twenty fifteen, you know, it was the year when Singapore had two films in Khan. You know, like mm. there was. Rajas, a yellow bird, and there was uh Bu Jinfeng's Apprentice. Mm. I'm I'm so proud for a country of this size. We had two films there, mm. you know, like for a country like as huge as as China, right? One point what six billion people. Um, they didn't have one film there. Mm. Not even like in that year. I'm I'm truly truly proud of the talent and the caliber of the filmmakers that we have, but. You know, like we need to be able to enable them. We need to be able to let them continue sort of like, you know, growing and sort of like come, you know, like, yeah, attacking sort of like the canvas sort of like with bigger visions. Yeah. Um, so, so you're saying that in other countries, there is this ecosystem of filmmakers who help each other out and 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 do, you know, like like what you said. Like, oh, I'll be very rights. honest. It's like in the independent films, you yeah. know, like... <laughs> you could probably get more favors and, and make a film for much less in the UK. Oh, really? Um, a lot, of, yeah, yeah. Some of the period films, award-winning period films that are sort of um, 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 independently made uh, that went on to win awards and, and do really well and sort of make a splash, you know, they were made on 300,000 pounds, 500,000 mm. pounds. Mm. Um, it's, it's getting, re it's almost impossible to do that level of production value um, for that amount of money in Singapore. Mm. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, but uh, I'm, of course, I know as well, you know, the cost of living in Singapore, it's, it's high, yeah. you know, it's high. Yeah. And, and, and I can't expect like, hey, you know, everyone that I'm going to war with, like all of you, you know, like everyone takes sort of like, you know, a huge pay cut, you know, mm. just to, just to sort of fulfill my dream. But, but I'm, I'm hoping, you know, like we can be more, gracious and we can have more goodwill um, mm. because I think it would pay off sort of like big time. So, yeah. so, so, you know, just now you mentioned the public, you mentioned the authorities, but I mean that private sector, right? Which is, which ultimately this is a podcast that has been made possible by uh, a, 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 a company or like Samsung, you know, they have stepped up to, to create this mobile first film festival. So, I mean, you know, just when you're saying that that it's getting more expensive to produce feature films and all, like what what drew you to be part of this film festival? Any particular aspect of, of it that that you find the most exciting? To be the founder, one yeah, of the founders. To be one of the founders of, of the film, film festival. festival. 
I think I'm always I'm always on the lookout for um you know like new talent mm. for like young filmmakers coming out in fact i watch a lot of short films coming out of singapore you mm. know like even though i'm not physically like I'm, I'm always sort of like i try to uh you know like know the sort of like community and 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 the young ones that are making films out there um and yeah and i, I think it's important to sort of like to discover sort of like the next generation of of filmmakers mm. um and you know, it's great. It's great because <laughs> you know how I made my short films? Like, mm. I made my short films like using my savings. Like, I make many short films like before I made my feature films. I made about six, um, like six to eight. And then until now, you know, after even after my feature, I've made like about 10 short films now. Mm-hmm. Every time I made a short film, I had to plow into my savings. I was so poor that there were times I didn't have money to even top up my EasyLink card. I had to walk home, you know, Mm, like mm. it was that painful. And then, you know, the only way I could finance my next short film was I would win prize money at film festivals and then that would finance my film plus, you know, like, you know, savings or whatever Mm. it is. And and I just feel it's incredible, you know, like that there's an opportunity here, right? Mm. Um, Yeah, for, for filmmakers to sort of like, yeah, make films and it was I think it's so much easier these days you know you can literally shoot a very very good image you know like using a phone Mm -hmm. like I remember how I made my first you know like years ago I remember when I was 15 I said I want to become a filmmaker when I was 15 right I literally used my ang pao money you know like my savings over the years um I went on Hardware Zone on a forum and bought a second-hand... <laughs> drink manual. Yeah, second-hand sort of like cam, camcorder. Like, yeah. like it was it was like, yeah, DV sort of like mini DV camcorder like mm. on second-hand. And then I met this person, random stranger outside <laughs> McDonald's. And then like oh, literally yeah. give him the cash and then he gave me this thing, you know? Yeah, mm. I mean, that was how expensive it was. But now, you know, like you have got sort of like Samsung coming in and then you know you get mentored by sort of like you know Eric by myself by you know like Ministry of Funny you know by actors even um mm. yeah and you and you and 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 it's a huge cash prize you know I was yeah. I was just <laughs> to be really honest I was because the, the films are really short you know yeah. like the films that they have to make for this competition like what one minute yeah. you know mm. like really really short but I was I was just you know, telling some of my friends like, hey, get all the film school students to come join because if you win this cash prize, this could be the budget for your 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 like your dream short film, you know, mm. like that script that you have been writing for like that past one year, you know? Yeah. Like and you've been begging for favors and money, like use this money, make that film because I, I thought that's that's an incredible opportunity because I mm. was I was I remember every time I made a short film, I was so poor. Mm. And yeah. So, you know what would have been awesome if during your acceptance speech at Golden Horse at, at Cannes, you said, you know, shout out to Hardware Zone, you know, <laughs> for making this possible. Wow, that would have been fucking epic. <laughs> so, so on that note, right, I mean, um, what like for the people listening who know people who uh, are like budding filmmakers, what would what is like one piece of advice you would give to someone who is thinking about entering the competition, like to make this one minute short film? Mm. One piece of advice is to make it um, in a most personal way. I feel mm. like the most personal films 
um, yeah, some of the best short films I've always watched um, that have moved me, that have like sort of stayed in my head are always the most personal ones, mm. you know, and, 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 and yeah, make something about what you know, you know, like don't come up with, with this sort of like this crazy thing that, that, yeah, like you're not able to execute, you know, whether is it, you know, in terms of the team or in terms of like the, um, uh, the, technical sort of um, um, requirements for it you know mm. I, I think sometimes the most simple and, and personal emotions are, are what stays with me mm. yeah I wow. see okay that's a great piece of advice because I think write what you know is something we hear a lot uh, between you know in, within yeah. the industry but yeah. for someone trying for the first time you know they, the Samsung I mean they, the, whatever phone they use to do to, to do it it's going to be yeah, they're gonna be yeah, like, like thinking you know Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. You just need to be very careful about what you're planning, lah. I right? mean, in some way, like you, what you were saying about Elo Elo mm. appealing to the world, this is that on a micro scale, right? You know, you you are you said who would care about the story set in a HDB with a domestic helper and a ten year old boy, but it resonated. Mm. So so that's what we've also come to learn that even the smallest thing that means a shit ton to you, there's something there, lah, and and yeah. to build on that, lah, right? Yeah. That's speaking awesome. Of, yeah. Speaking of small things that mean uh, uh, the shit to you, right? Yeah, that could mean many different things. There. <laughs> so, no, but that's a great segue. <laughs> I mean, we, we know you. Your, your time is quite limited, but yeah. we always do this segment because we feel it's a very good way to, to you know, just know more about you as a person as well. Uh. We always end with the segment called One Shook Thing, yeah. where we talk about something that, you know, it's, that, that has warmed your heart or made you smile the last few days, but well, preferably something that someone else can experience, uh, not like your 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 wife's cooking or anything like that. Yeah, like, like something that you watched or saw that you you know want everyone to also check out and see lah. Like. Yeah, because that's something that we every every episode of our podcast that's what yeah. we. So we do. so we'll give you a bit of time to think. This is not like an acceptance speech or something where immediately you have to say we'll go first. Yeah, and then you can have like two minutes to think of something. Yeah. So so to to kick things off, parents, sure. what is your one shock thing? I thought you you I thought you. No, I go first. Yeah, okay. Yeah, first. So like in like it just so happens that while we are speaking about content, there was this one song that I came across this week that I found like I think you know like uh and you everyone especially if you're a freelancer you know you go through ups and downs lah right uh and sometimes when I'm in a in a down mood or something I often look to maybe videos or songs that can lift me out of it. And I just added one, I just found one song that I have added to my motivation playlist on Spotify called All I Want. It's, it's by Bob Moses. And it's just one of those like, I've listened to it a few times and each time I feel my mood at the start of the song compared to the end of the song, it automatically gets lifted. I can't play it right now because of uh, copyright reasons, mm. but I will put the link in the show notes and I would say if anyone is feeling like a little like, mm, you need a little perk me up, this is like a slow build up and I guarantee you, you'll feel better by the end of the but song. Specifically, but. why? Eh? Because it starts off like, a, you know, like how I can imagine mm. people, maybe they want to get a bit, they play like some fucking EDM or techno music. Yep. This one starts off very mellow. Very so it mellow. almost feels like, okay, it, it slowly builds and you almost feel yourself being lifted up by it by it unconsciously, as opposed to like, you know, you know, you want to work out, you play this high tempo music and you're almost mm. forcing yourself to, to, to do. So I discovered this, I think, on, on just listening to music and when I heard this, it didn't strike me as a song that could lift my mood, but in the end, holy shit, man, it worked. So you listen to it as a as a means to go to sleep at night? No, no, no. It's like when I'm feeling shitty, right? Yeah. 
uh, I listen to it just to give me like a bit of a a bit of a boost. Yeah. And then after that, I just uh, carry on. Okay. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. Uh, my uh, my one shock thing actually is uh, a bit of a throwback one shock thing lah. But I finally finished the saga podcast. Mm. By the way, all, all episodes of it, and uh, I was uh, quite blown away lah. Actually, to tell you the truth, by the end of it, uh, uh, there was a tear or two. You know, listening to the podcast, it was quite, oh, shit. it was uh, quite moving, especially towards, you know, towards the end when they talk about the AGM and everything. And, and I, I remember the very clearly what the AGM was, uh, reading about it in the news all that, but feeling it emotionally was very, uh, very enriching. And I know I, I've, I've already talked about the Saga podcast mm. before, but now having finished it, I really would encourage you, you know, I know you haven't finished it. Yeah, right? yeah. I'm at episode four. I would four really now. encourage yeah. you to go all the way and finish it. Uh. Well, yeah. shout out to Jasmine who was on our yeah. podcast for being the producer of that and to Aware. Yeah. So so it's quite dangerous to be driving while listening to it because you suddenly want to start crying and all that kind of thing. Wow, <laughs> wow you're right. Yeah, you better be careful. Wow. <laughs> but yeah. yes, finally. But I think it's, it's, it's definitely one of the best mm. podcasts ever produced in Singapore. Yes, mm. yes, yes. Yeah. I would say, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. You have listened yeah. to the whole thing also, Anthony? Yeah, and Jasmine is a very good friend of mine. Oh, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I got to listen to it even before it was launched. Oh, you know, like, you know, see, I think the first few episodes. That's the yeah. golden horse uh, advantage. Uh, the, the, uh, you get all this, this privilege. <laughs> privilege. <laughs> golden horse privilege. Beware of that word. I am, I'm very wary of that word these days. As you ride around on your chariot of five golden horses. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Anthony. Like at least, just we're gonna keep we're gonna keep take digs at that for the rest of time, mm. But yes. Um, <laughs> so yes. Your one so am thing. I? Do I have to? Um, my one shock thing. Yeah. Um, I think it's quite interesting. It was actually last year, uh, in February. It was oh, you know, it was before the pandemic completely broke out. You mm. know, and I was in France, sort of like. Uh, I was spending a whole week in France promoting wet season mm. and I was in Versu. I remember I was doing this interview with a French journalist and it's, there was something really moving about that whole experience, not the interview, but after that, I don't know why, you know, after the interview, we did the really formal interview, right? And then after that, he did his notes and you know, as we were walking out the building and then we started to talk about cinema and he asked me like, you know, and he told me like, you know, how how he really liked Ilo Ilo. And then he told me about how he fell in love with Asian cinema when he was 17 watching like, um, like a Ho Shao Shen film on mm. television. And we ended up just taking a walk on the hill for like two hours, you know, like two complete strangers from like two different couches, you know, um, talking about cinema. Um, and really connecting in such um, a very deep way, you know. Mm. Of course, you know it, it went from like cinema to family to personal issues and all that. And I, mm. I just find it so so moving, you know, that whole experience where you can connect uh, with a stranger. But it was through like my work, you know. Mm. And then somehow there was another connection that yeah that literally we're walking and it, the sun hasn't even set and then by mm. the time we said our goodbyes because you know i went to catch a screening went to catch another screening you know at you know it was a, a film festival um yeah it was a really yeah it was a really night mm. Mm. well it seems like whenever you're on a hill you're very happy anthony 
a lot of, a lot of epiphanies. <laughs> I, I, of, I, like, I, I think you know what I I personally I I really I really cherish like wide open space. Uh, I'm not sure why, but maybe because you know we grew up in Singapore. It's yeah. a concrete jungle. It's like just tall buildings all the time. Like every time I'm out in like the wide open countryside, it just gives me a lot of joy. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I really, really cherish like uh those moments. That, yeah, that is awesome. Wow. So yeah, so on that note, if you have have been thinking about making a film, making a short film, check out the link in the show notes. Uh, short and sharp by Samsung. Uh, we we will be part of the jury. So will Anthony. So will Eriku. And we all really want. To to help the next breed like like uh like filmmakers generation, yeah right. generation of filmmakers up and coming and you can be sure if you have any questions you can ping us on sub on the, on our subreddit via Instagram we just wanna we just wanna help anyone we can like what Anthony said to give back to people who we have been in that similar spot wanting to make our first film wanting to make our first video so just check out the 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 festival because it is pretty damn dope yeah cool any anyway All any right. any last um, yeah words or anything for people to who want to check you out who people maybe who who first time they're hearing of the you 60%, like, the 60% lah the 60% no no the 10% <laughs> of people who never oh Anthony Chen where, what, yeah. where, well, they, well, where, where well, do they find you, know, you? Like, where do they the, find you the easiest way is to check out my work right the yeah. first film okay. Ilo Ilo is on Netflix so I'm taking like a lot of people in Singapore now have Netflix so yeah, yeah, yeah okay. you can watch Ilo Ilo on Netflix um, no not Instagram is, Instagram wet handle. season will soon be on Netflix oh nice a couple how about your your Instagram or anything like like uh, yeah I mean I mean I'm always on my Instagram and yeah. I I I'm like I said you know I don't censor myself I post mm-hmm. about what I feel yeah. um and see and of course you know like I post you know like my friends tell me I post too much about my son my kid mm-hmm. <laughs> okay um yeah but he is my pride and joy and I'm still in lockdown you know like mm. I'm staying locked down I wouldn't be able to survive this right I think my wife and I. Yeah, without like all the happiness that my two-year-old gives me, I don't think we could have survived. Like this, is the third lockdown, and yeah. it's been currently it's been three months. Wow, Man. that's crazy. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. I think I think we, yeah, you definitely can see a lot of uh, interesting videos of Anthony and his kid. Yeah, uh, as well. It's all super heartwarming, lah. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Cool. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, don't don't worry, Anthony. Like I mean, I like uh, when when I look at Terence's post of his kid, yeah. normally I'm not a fan of my friends' kids, to be honest. But when I look at Terence's kid, I'm like, oh, that is that's one cute kid. Mm, so and, yeah. and I mean honestly, when I look at yours also, there's a certain element of sincerity there. And it mm. doesn't feel like you're posting it to humble brag about your kid. So kudos to you and 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 the stuff you post. Yeah. I mean because I mean, there are people out there no the thing is he he's someone who can say oh you want to know more about me go on Netflix and look yeah, me yeah up, correct, correct. Whereas you, you, normal people are like oh check out my Instagram yeah. it's the best thing ever if, if you like my videos on Instagram of my kid check me out on Netflix, Netflix yeah. who else can say that yeah <laughs> honestly I, I prefer <laughs> yeah. I, I really I, I rather people know my work more than know me you know okay. like, I think I think yeah, I think my work says so much more no that's good that's good cool. that's a good place to be but yeah, yeah. thank you so much Anthony Great. Yeah. And and thank you so much. And we will yeah, we will catch you guys listening on the next podcast.